When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the CHGO Fire Podcast presented by PointsBet. Use promo code CHGO when you sign up to get two risk-free bets up to $2,000. I am Pat McCraney. He's Alex Campbell, and we're together again. Oh, man, and I'm just... I, I hit rock bottom, too, with my intro there. Sorry about that. I've, I'm a little bit To be today. fair, you're doing 28 other shows here at CHGO yeah, today. Still. It's a little busy. Just yeah. a little bit. Yeah, my bad, though. It's, so. it's all good, Lawrence. I mean, we I still just, love you. I just love the new music, though. Let's listen again. Oh, it's just so good. Yeah. yeah. Soccery. It's yeah, very soccery. It's very soccery, yeah. Is that a word? Uh, yeah, that's a word. It is now. Yeah. Football-y? I don't know. Well, football-y? All right, footballers. Uh, it is not a good time to be a Chicago Fire fan, Alex. Not really. No. I mean, I guess the good news is, and if there is any, and we'll actually get into this, can it only go up from here? We'll see tonight against Toronto FC. Indeed, uh, we will. The Toronto FC team who are currently heavy, heavy underdogs against the Fire. Last I saw the line was the Fire minus 165 to win outright. Wow. Which uh, I think tells you more about the state of TFC right now than the Fire. But we'll get into that later. Yeah, we're going to talk about that game a little later on. We have to address this Columbus crew. Um, I don't know what you want to call it. I think I called it gutless on CHGO uh, in my written uh, column that calling for the firing of uh, George Heights, which I, you know, a lot of people have gotten kind of vicious and jumped on him um, since I wrote that on on social media. I didn't mean it in a, um, I guess, a personal way. I mean it in a, I, you know, in any other sports team, this is what happens, right? Like you, you fail and this many uh, signings for this many seasons in a row, people start to question your job, and that's all it is for me. So um, I don't think he's going to be the guy to lead the fire forward. I hope I'm wrong, and they win every game the rest of the season, and he makes two great summer signings, and everything is fixed. I would love to be wrong on this, but I just don't see it happening. No, and it's a situation where I think if you weren't really familiar with the context of where the fire are, you would watch a game like this Columbus game where – the defense totally turns off where you can see the two goal lead and you would ask significant questions of the coaching staff and the players on the field, both of which I think is totally fair. The players need to be able to see out a game like this. And there's clearly questions to be asked about right. the tactical plan from Ezra Hendrickson and co when you are conceding leads, which is becoming a theme. The fire seem to have finally figured out how to score some goals, but when they do, they just, they can't, keep anyone out once they've scored. It's this weird dichotomy that either the fire team to draw team zero, zero or get into these track meets where they can't hold on to anything. It's so weird. There's no middle ground. And so I think all those questions of the players of the coaches are fair, but as we've talked about before on the show, Pat, I think it's a little too soon to really put too much hot seat pressure on Ezra Hendrickson. Some of the players are still new to this team. And again, halfway through a season might be too soon to really issue a final judgment. We're going to talk about some players who we've had seen more than a half season of who we've got some maybe more solid conclusions about. 
But George Heights, this is his third season. Yeah. He's been around longer than basically everybody at the four of this team. And some of his signings, as I just said, we know what they are to this point. They have told us who they are. And some of them just have not made the impact they were supposed to. Accountability has to start somewhere. Yeah. And when you put it all together right now, I think the thing, and I agree with your judgment on this, that would make the most sense for the fire is to start over in that department. You're not going to make the playoffs this year. You've got half a season to scout it out, to figure out what direction you want to go in. If you're going to keep Ezra around, which I assume they're going to, make sure it's someone who can work well with him. And the biggest thing for me, if and whether they move on from George Heights this week or next year, that next hire has to be someone with MLS for an office experience. Full stop. Maybe not as a full GM. Maybe it's someone who's been a good assistant GM, like we saw what happened with Cincinnati, taking um, Chris Albright out of Philly, where he was the number two to Ernst Tanner. Now he's the number one in Philly. I mean, excuse me, in Cincinnati, and that seems to be going well. You, It's got to be someone who knows the league, because while it seems like with transfers this year, maybe the fire front office is starting to figure it out. Chris Mueller's a great example of that. There were just so many missteps and clear failure to understand how this market works. It, 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 and it, it's a formula that seemed to be happening over and over and over again with some of the signings. These, um, you know, he, he likes to hit on players from smaller countries in a lot of cases, hoping to find diamonds in the rough. But what we've gotten is uh, Carlos Tehran, who doesn't seem to understand how to track a runner. Um, either does John Espinoza. Either does John Espinoza. Um, there were people at the club who expressed concerns about John Espinoza before he even played a game for this team. I can tell you that. Walking red card, I believe, was, I might be paraphrasing, but it was something along those it lines. It was something along those lines. Uh, Miguel Navarro has improved quite a bit from when, uh, from 2020 when I thought there was no chance he should ever play again. That said, he still gets a idiotic red card that hurts the team at the end of the game against the crew. Um, the, the, the outside backs, the fullbacks were very, very high, would get caught in that space. Uh, it was a masterclass by Caleb Porter to bring on the two Diaz and, and Derek Etienne at halftime. He switched to a 4-4-2. He exploited the space in behind, and the fire did absolutely nothing. Ezra said he told the players what would be happening because obviously Ezra was on that bench last year, knows these guys well, knows Caleb well. He said he's told them. I think it took more than telling them. I think you had to to make a, a, a tactical move. Um, there was a lot of bright spots in the first half, but those bright spots all get wiped away when you lose that badly. They, they, you know, Chris Mueller, who to his credit, as I wrote in my piece, stuck around waiting to talk to the media, almost like, like he had to get something off his chest, um, talking about how they lacked fight, talking about how, um, you know, and that's worse than lacking talent. Um, I think it's a bit of both. Um, I think Jaredon Shakiri, you know, I, I do not know what the hell's going on at this point, but no. it doesn't seem like, and maybe I'm being too hard on him. I'm told I'm being too hard on him by certain people at the fire, but he's your $8 million player, and he asked to come out of the game when it was tied 2-2 with 10 minutes left. What is that? Tying Ezra's hands. Yeah. Tying Ezra's hands with that last substitution window. He couldn't go 10 more minutes. He's that concerned about his, his is his hamstring just going to explode or whatever ailment it is this week? Come on. Yeah, it's it's getting out of hand because the, the comparison, I I think that's fair to make in terms of approach, is when Bastian Schweinsteiger was at the club. Yes. Not so much in the beginning when things were going pretty well, when things started to go bad. 
The one similarity that was that's understandable but a negative with both of them, Shakiri is starting to show the impatience Basti would show on the field. It got to a point where it was very clear there was only about four players on the team Bastian Schweinsteiger was willing to pass the ball to. Nemanja Nikolic, Georgi Mihailovic, um, Dax McCarty, yeah. and you know maybe one or two others at times. But the guys he trusted that if I hit a screamer at you knee high, you're going to trap it. Mm-hmm. And Shakiri is starting to show signs that he's only willing to work with certain people. Now, the good news about that is... That list is, seems to be a little bit longer than Basti's was. Like He clearly seems to value Chris Mueller. He seems to think Brian Gutierrez has some talent. But then on the other Both side... Both of those guys have been better than him correct. this season. The, other, that, like the flip side... That's a problem. The flip side is Basti would never simply throw people verbally under the bus. He would talk in generalities. He would say, oh, we've got to be better. But it seems like Shakiri's starting to show some really like poignant impatience. And... Basti's criticism generally went kind of top down of like looking at the club like, hey, help me here. Whereas Shakiri seems to be saying, well, you you guys help me here. You players help me here. When he isn't leading by example, whereas Schweinsteiger, even when he was asked to play center back, no one was ever questioning his commitment in those 90 minutes. No one ever did. He, he always gave everything. And that's where it, it frustrated me, even when they signed Shakiri, that he was being mentioned in the same breath as as Basti, because you're talking about he's in, in his European career. You're talking about a very nice player versus one of the greatest players of all time. Um, it bothers me even more now that people are even mentioning them in the same breath because they're just not. I, I and I no. The reason Schweinsteiger was not a good signing for the Fire, and the reason Shakiri is heading towards not being a good signing for the Fire, very different. Schweinsteiger was within six months asked to play out of position as a center back in a yeah. team that had no fullbacks on it and then was playing people who were worse than him in central midfield. It's, yeah, that 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 has much, much less to do with uh, with this. I, again, I, I don't think at this point, I understand the comparisons in terms of an impact when they were signed, but basically everything since then hasn't been comparable in the least. Do we think, how many guys do we think on this team are still fully engaged. And, and I would have said two weeks ago, everybody. It's, but, it, it's, it's good to hear that Mueller stuck around to talk to media because the game before that, when I was there for the first time this season, he could not have gotten out of there fast enough. So it is good to see that he, maybe it's because his performances are good. Maybe he's realizing that like he's kind of the only thing keeping this team from being a total laughing stock, and he wants to save some personal face, even if it's totally yeah. self-serving that he wants to talk. The fact that, it's a young, it's not even a young guy, a new guy taking that accountability. We saw this with Johnny Bornstein when he came in mid-2019 after playing in Israel. Jonathan Bornstein walked into that locker room and within a month was the most outspoken, accountable person on that team, save Dax McCarty, who was always great about doing that. And, Dax was always willing yeah. to stick around. And Johnny still does that stuff. Yeah. Basically, same with Bobby and Herbers. He'll talk to you whenever you, you, you ask. But, but it doesn't show yeah. well that the person's calling people out just got here. That's yeah. sign of a kind of institutional rot that we thought we weren't going to see again because as we were talking before off show, almost every employee of this club top to bottom has changed in the last three years. Yeah. And yet we're still here. I, I don't for the life of me understand. I mean, I do like there, there have been some, I, I think that one person DM'd me this week and said Heights was just the wrong man for the job. And that's why we had a rebuild in 2020 
continuity for some reason in 2021 with a few just absolutely terrible signings. And then um, this giant spend reboot thing in 2022, there's been no, um, there's been no growth year over year over year. In fact, they're worse than they were to begin with, 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 with more players and more payroll. They're worse than they were to begin with. Um, I, you know, I, I'd be all for, oh, we're, we're seeing incremental growth. The goal at this season that they stated was we want to make the playoffs. That should be the bare minimum every season. It's MLS. More than half the teams make the playoffs. And Lawrence, can we actually pull up that graphic that shows the Fire's point total per season to this point? Fire have 17 points through 19 games. And uh, folks, not go. good. No, not good. How? No, no progress whatsoever. I mean, I, so if you just look at those years, so they were bad for forever 2017 was an aberration their 19th game was the ninth of i believe a nine game winning streak they put together in the middle of that season that was when they were selling out seat geek which is a thing they never did again going forward but again to that point and i talked about this last week if the team wins the fans come whether it's seat geek or soldier field or wherever you put a winner on the field people will come and pay to watch it. Yeah, it's it's not complicated. I mean, you think about that mid-2017 team where Nemanja Nikolic was scoring goals for fun. Georgi Mihailovic was a local product really storming on into like his coming out party. David Akam, Alexander Katai, maybe lost that about him, the better. Uh, Dax McCarty, uh, Johan Kapelhoff, you know, still mm-hmm. probably at about the peak of whatever he did. Matt Polster coming into his own. Mm-hmm. Brandon Vincent, Vincent before his unfortunate injury issues that led to a very early retirement. Mm-hmm. Um, Sean Johnson had no Sean Johnson. That was um, Matt Lampson in goal that season. Still a lot of positives. And then if you look what happened since 2018, 2019, there were some remnants of that 2019. They totally fell off a cliff. I don't think they hit 35 points that season. Uh, the, the second half of that 2019 season was just total crash and burn. And then nothing has changed. And the, the for, when you talk about the, the way things have struggled, the, f- the first domino I still see that fell that got us into this mess, I say us, just, you know, everybody involved with the fire, was how long it took to hire Rafael Vicky. Yeah. Because, again, Rafa, nice guy. We've said this before. Valko Panovic, nice guy to us at least. Some people seem to have more contentious Soup. relationships with him. Um, but Wiki was hired because he was the guy sitting around. He was living in Chicago, had just been fired after a embarrassing performance with a U-17 team that included Giovanni Reda and Gianluca Busio not getting out of their group at the U-17 World Cup, which is no excuse for that, really, in hindsight. Um, he just happened to be here, and they hadn't hired anybody, and Heights knew him from Basel. So they were like, fine, I guess we'll hire this guy. That's not an indictment on Vicky as a coach. It's not an indictment on Vicky as a person. It's that there was no actual search for a coach because they procrastinated so long, they just had to hire the guy who was sitting around. Yeah. And Uh, everything since then has been basically trying to make up for that initial error. And and the way that culminates is throwing money at the problem as a last resort, and it's not working. I see uh, Playing With Fire and and Alex Jr. are both talking about Garth Lagerway. Um, I will say this, and we're going to have to do a little uh, business here in a second, but yep. if um, if the fire had hired Garth in 2020, if they had thrown the bag at him instead of Heights and and brought in Garth, and there was always a rumor that they tried to and that that um, that Don Garber said no, I, ne- I, you know, I have no idea. That's if never truth. been, so, yeah. that has been a rumor and for yeah, the record, never further substantiated right. by anybody. But if they had brought in Garth, they would be competing for an MLS Cup this season. 
Yes. Yeah. Like this, it's yeah. it's Garth knows the league better than anybody. We're gonna get we're we're gonna talk about this more after a an ad break here in a moment. But Seattle is not one of the biggest spenders in MLS. That team, you would assume, looking at just the names on that roster, man, they must spend a lot of money, and they don't because they're incredibly smart about the domestic market, get great deals, negotiate well, and they hit their DPs out of the freaking park. Yeah. And that's and they're struggling this year, partially because their best signing maybe ever, Zhao Paulo, is out for the season with the torn ACL. And without him, the team doesn't function. They also won the CONCACAF Champions League earlier this season. Yeah, they were a bit tied up doing dual competitions. Yeah, so, so. Th- they get everything they want. Also, yeah. the 16-year-old that they had to come out of nowhere, Obed Vargas, uh, U.S., U-17, and was supposed to be U-20 international, also got hurt. So they just, their whole system's kind of crumbling right now. But hey, they won the CONCACAF Champions League. So they get a get-out-of-jail-free card. Pat, we will continue talking yep. about the fire, maybe a little bit more about the soccer side of things, but we have to tell the people about what makes this show possible here at CHGO. Alex, the best way to support CHGO is to download the PointsBet app and use code CHGO when you sign up. If you do that right now, you'll get two risk-free bets up to $2,000, but that's not it. If you make a $50 or more first-time deposit, you'll receive a free CHGO membership, which unlocks all of our web content, and you'll even get a free shirt of your choice from the CHGO locker. That's $2,000 in free bets, a free CHGO membership, and a free t-shirt from the CHGO Locker, all for making more than a $50 first-time deposit at PointsBet. If you have any questions, you can email pointsbet at allchgo.com, and we'll help you out. Your home for live in-play betting just got even better. See an edge in the game you're watching? Is your favorite team prime for a comeback? Don't just watch the game. Bet along with it live. More live betting, more live markets, faster live Cash outs, follow along with your bets the moment they hit and stay in the live action all game long. Download the Points Bet app right now and use c- promo code CHGO. What are you waiting for? It's time to elevate your live betting game. Once the game starts, don't just bet, live your bet life with Points Bet. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1 800 Gambler for crisis counseling and referral services. It's now my turn to tell you about OWIN, which stands for Only What You Need, O-W-Y-N. OWIN is a 100% plant-based protein shake that gives you nutrition that works as hard as you do. All their products are free of artificial ingredients, and they're allergen-friendly, including being totally gluten and dairy-free, making them easily digestible. So shout out to anybody out there who, like me, has a bunch of food allergies and things they can't eat. Owen is great for people like us. Speaking of which, I first heard about Owen from Chicago Bears quarterback Justin Fields, who himself follows a plant-based diet. Owen and CHGO have partnered up to give you an awesome offer. You can get 20% off your first purchase at liveowen.com. That's L-I-V-E-O-W-Y-N dot com with the code CHGO20. That's code CHGO20. Join me and Justin Fields and try Owen only what you need. So, Pat, before we get back to the fire, we do have a little bit of news to actually talk about, about something we've teased, something we've had planning yes. in the works here at CHGO for a while. We talked about this a few weeks ago, and I don't think we were supposed to then. So Probably not. That's bad, our bad, but we are that's doing okay. this. Yeah, we're here. That's fine. You know what? We're going to be good. Uh, July 30th, the Fire are taking on Atlanta United at 4, and then the Chicago Red Stars and the San Diego Wave are playing at 7. Uh, we're going to do a CHGO tailgate that day from the Waldron deck starting at two-ish, two-ish. I think that's when we're allowed to get into the Waldron deck. So I think that's 
We're going to get parked and, and, you know, hopefully everybody can come out, hang out with us, come say hi, have a beer if you're of age. Um, it should be fun. We're both planning on being there. We will both be there. Hopefully Sandra and Claire will hopefully be there from the Red Stars podcast as well. Yes, the Fire aren't playing particularly well right now. No, Atlanta United are not playing particularly (laughs) well right now. But on the bright side, if the game was played tomorrow, and based on the schedules, this looks like it should still be the case. Currently, the Wave and the Red Stars are the top two teams yeah, that's very cool. in the NWSL. The Wave, of course, led by Alex Morgan, who has already scored more goals this season than she has in any full NWSL what season in her career. What is going on? She's playing out of her mind right now. I'd say it's a couple things. One, um, somehow she had to play her way back into the national team, which itself was <laughs> kind of ridiculous, but we're not going to go down that rabbit hole. So I think there was some motivation there. Um, just She's match fit again after missing some time. Uh, she was pregnant. Had her daughter has had some time to kind of build fitness back up, and she's got that mom strength now. Yeah, clearly very up to full strength. And also, I think she has some real like emotional like sweat equity in that San Diego team. Mm -hmm. She's from Southern California originally. She immediately became the face of that team when they traded for her upon their expansion. So I, I, I really do think Alex Morgan probably feels like she's got a bit to prove, not only on a personal but a club level, and again is just showing why she's one of the greatest strikers in U.S. women's national team history. So that game should be really fun. We didn't, you know, the Red Stars have been really impressive this year among, you know, coming out of the turmoil of last season and the offseason and then have suffered some really what should be debilitating injuries to that roster this year. And they just keep getting results, including scoring two goals in stoppage time to get a draw this past weekend. So I don't know how the Red Stars are doing it. I'm not sure the Red Stars know how they're doing it. Um, Mal Pugh, when she's there, is generally the answer to that question. But should be a real fun day. Come out before the fire game. Maybe if you don't want to go watch the fire, you know, you can hang out a little bit longer. Or if the game's going well, then you can go inside. But we'll be there. The Red Stars crew should be there. Hopefully you can come out and enjoy a beautiful Saturday afternoon and evening with some Chicago soccer mixed in. You know, the B-Block Alex is generally when we talk about the hashtag Gaga Saga. We called it. Um, I don't think that's caught on. No, it's it, it seems to have not been catching on also not catching on any developments with the gaga saga because as far as well we, i mean there's been a lot of talk about there the has been a lot of talk about the yeah. gaga saga because there was a tweet from fabrizio romano that was phrased in a way that made it sound like some progress had been made on gaga's he said a verbal agreement i believe chelsea yeah um a bunch of cold water was then poured on that in the way it was worded by basically every american-based reporter saying yeah, maybe something verbal's been agreed between the club and Gaga, but the club hasn't submitted anything officially to the fire. Yeah. Tom Bogert was on that. Paul Tenorio at The Athletic was on that. You backed that up. So yeah, it, it, as far as we're concerned, nothing has really changed here. Gaga is still probably going to Chelsea. Yeah. Chelsea is probably going to be submitting an official bid sometime soon. But as we have talked about before, the transfer window ain't closing anytime soon. There's no rush on anybody's part to get this deal done whatsoever and to kind of follow up something I mentioned before the fire are now rock bottom of the league which would mean when the allocation order resets over the offseason if they finish in wooden spoon position it would mean they would be first in the allocation order which means they wouldn't have to give up anything to then bring Gaga back on an additional separate loan to being loaned back Hmm, this season yeah Yeah. that's the thing because by being sold for over five hundred thousand dollars Gaga would have to go through allocation to rejoin MLS. So we'd have to pay Cincinnati, right? You'd now. have to pay Cincinnati yeah. now if you wait until the offseason and you're the worst team. Congratulations, you're front of the line. You have to pay nobody anything. 
So, again, this is probably going to happen by all accounts. There's yeah. no reason it shouldn't happen. It's just absolutely no one is in a rush to transfer an 18-year-old to a Premier League club who's going to loan him back to the fire right. immediately anyway. It, it's, it, I, I feel like it's the right thing. To, it'll get done. Um, Fabian Herbers was talking on the soccer pod that he had talked to Gaga, and Gaga felt like it's a good fit. Um, so, obviously, you know, th- there's it's not completely out of thin air that this is being talked about, but it seems like the European side of things and the sources over there are a little more optimistic that things are closer to done than the the, the fire side of things. And, which you can understand. The fire will believe it when that check for $10 million lands on Joe Mansueto's desk. That... that Th- thank you, Lawrence. Then He's it's always re- got that, like, yeah. queued up and ready to go. Th- then it's real. Um, speaking of money, I actually do have to kind of correct myself on something here. Lawrence, can we pull up that uh, MLS payroll table? Because this is probably the best way to illustrate what is going on with the fire right now. That 28 you see there, that is dead last in MLS, as you may well be aware. Seattle has actually upped their spending a bit. That's largely a result of two things. One, um, Jao Paulo, the aforementioned DP, is on a pretty expensive salary. He was initially just on a loan from Botafogo in Brazil, so Mm. thus did not really take up much of their cap. Uh, That became a permanent deal, so that money came online. Also, all those guys who've been around for a while, your Nico Ladeiros, your Jordan Morris's, your Raul Rui Diaz's, they all got raises. And then uh, Albert Rusnak came in from RSL this past offseason as well, and he makes high TAM Money, as you know, I looking at this it. list, though, it's super interesting that spending a lot of money does not necessarily correlate to success. Nope. It is not the Premier League. I mean, go back to I mean, the LA Galaxy, your top of this table right now. Douglas Costa is eating a significant chunk of that money. They were high in this list when they had Zlatan simply because he was the highest mm-hmm. paid player in the league and they stunk. Um, then you've got LAFC, who interestingly should actually be higher on this list because this list is based off all the data the MLS Players Association releases each year. And very right. kindly of them to make up for because of COVID. We didn't get this list to like the end of last season. They released this list early in 2022. So the fire against them should actually be higher on this list. Jairo Torres is not included on this as far as I understand it. So the fire. But probably Gareth Bale and um, Giorgio Chiellini, Chiellini also not. not. Yeah. So yeah. LAFC, I mean, FC Cincinnati is finally rounding into some form. Sporting KC, woof. I would actually argue this This is a tough argument to make from a fire perspective. I'd argue Sporting KC are in worse shape right now than the fire are, given the investment, given per- Peter Vermes' tenure. The fire can, if they want to, can fire George Heights. That's a thing they can do. They can fire Ezra Hendrickson. That's just a thing they could do. Um, Peter Vermes it almost has like Jerry Jones power. In that organization, Garson Wenger did before. Yeah, you have to is, wrestle it he away. He's the yeah. coach. He's the GM, yeah. and he is like on the. He's like team president too. Like that guy runs that club. So Sporting KC don't have as I don't want to say clear the steps for Sporting KC to get out of their current predicament aren't as obvious. They were basically a team, if you're not familiar, that was really good. Was regarded as being an elite striker, yeah. short of a championship. Signed Alan Polito. Out of Liga MX, it's like, okay, that's that's great. That fixed the problem. He's been constantly hurt for two straight years, and they stink. You know, and the other thing that the the fire could do, the, the larger organization could do, is have Heights oversee um, Lugano. Because for whatever failures he's had in MLS, 
he's been successful in Switzerland. Oh yeah, the, the Lugano even Lugano continues. this year won the, the the domestic cup, so he's had a lot of success in Switzerland. Oh, we were talking about this off off air beforehand too. If you were celebrating Nacho Alaceda's loan to Lugano as the justification for making it worth it for Joe Mancebo to buy it, we don't think you've seen anything yet. I think that's going to pay. <laughs> More and more dividends in the future. That will be, and you have to, I, yeah. I, I give him credit where credit's due. One, I did like his offseason moves. I don't think they've worked except for Sheehus at this point, but I did like them very much. And so I can't sit here and say, oh, he had a terrible offseason. I liked what he did. And I all the experts, it. like the people yeah. who people yeah. who we would say are smarter than us mm-hmm. about Major League Soccer said the fire had a good offseason, whether that's Paul Tenorio and Sam Stasekel at The Athletic, whether mm-hmm. that's Matt Doyle at MLS Soccer, People who know things thought yeah. the fire had a good offseason. I like season. the Ezra hire. I, I can't, like, I've said, I said all that. It's all on the record. Yeah. I, you know, the fact that it's failed, you know, I, I can't say that, oh, I told you so. There's none of that here. It, but I'm not the one making those decisions. He is. The other thing I would say is the Lugano thing will have lasting, long term, positive things for the fire. There's no doubt about that. And he was obviously the main man involved in that. Maybe so. after a certain Swiss international doesn't have the motivation of an upcoming World Cup anymore. But hey, you never know. On that note, we we, we put Lawrence to the trouble of making these graphics, so we'll show the last one we've got. This is, this is the most expensive transfers under George Heights, and mixed bag does not begin to describe it. Uh, obviously, the... One of these things is not like the others is Robert Barrich, who for all his struggles did generally get involved in goals for the fire. Damn near won the golden boot in 2020 when Georgie was still feeding them the ball. Correct. And and so those two had a good, the fire weren't scoring many goals, yeah. but Robert Barrich was involved in a lot of them. Ooh, the rest of that list. Um, Jordan Shakiri has three goals and three assists. All three of those goals are PKs, right? Or does he have uh, one open? No, he's no, got one's from the field. One's an open two. Yeah, one's yeah. from open play. Two are PK. Yeah, so you just, I mean, you've got Fetty Navarro with a couple goal involvements. That's not his job. Gaston Jimenez, eight goal involvements. Also not his job. I do not think Gaston has been nearly as bad this season as others have. No, seen. Gaston and Fetty together works generally. I think that's n- if you were to if you're looking for problems with this team, like that middle f- of the middle five. At least four of those players aren't it. You can yeah. have our qualms about whatever is going on on the right wing from game to game because it changes and yeah. yeah. But generally speaking, from the left wing, the 10, the 6, and the 8, the fire are getting at least average performances consistently out of. And Rafael Shehos when he's healthy. Everybody else, not not so much. Shabilko only having four goal involvements, 19 games in his fire career. Yeah. Yes, injuries have played a, played a role on that, but... I, I think you do have to look at the system difference between Philly and the fire as being a big detractor in terms of the role Shabilko is being asked to play as a solo front man up top leading a line rather than simply a piece in what is a very well-drilled, understood, and developed system, that 4-2-4 that Jim Curtin plays in Philly. My friend Alan, when, uh, when Shabilko signed, said, there's no way that will work here. It works in Philly, but there's no way he'll work here. And you I'm need like, someone to do the yeah. running for him. And I'm like, nah, you're crazy. I think he'll get you something. He's he's a proven MLS score. Because if you look at Alan the way Philly right. plays, I think we talked about this before, Shabilko and Philly still has these guys. Corey Burke, Fire's biggest nemesis ever, is one of these guys. Philly's had success getting a lot out of strikers who were not prolific, but run like hell and mm-hmm. will press you and harass you and just be a nuisance for 60 minutes, then get subbed off for a different guy, Sergio Santos, another one of these guys who does this job, who will then 
be annoying as hell for 30 more minutes. And what that allowed was for Shabilko and the other more creative players behind him to get more space and win those physical battles against center backs who were just tired of chasing those guys around. And now center backs just know they can just body up Shabilko. He's not going to run away from them. The fire need to be able to get someone in and around him in those spaces to give the center back pairings of opposing teams something else to think about. And Shakiri's not going to provide that running out of midfield. Sometimes you'll see Mueller getting centrally, but that's not really his bag. So, yeah, it's, it's Shabilko's been very isolated, and Shabilko isolated makes him easy to defend. Duran was very interesting to watch, especially from the high-up view of the press box on Saturday because he was a lot more active and a lot more involved because he's a very different type of nine than, than Shabilko. So. They kind of have opposite problems. I think Shabilko, at his veteran age, is a much better like finisher at this point than Duran is, but, man, Duran's movement and his ability to find the dangerous spaces, he's got that. He doesn't have the shooting boots yet. But he's he's got the left foot. If you see his his left foot, absolutely insane. The power is there. It's, it's, it's just, about putting it on frame. He yeah. had another one of those. He just you could see he anticipated it half a second late. He gets the foot to the ball. He just didn't have the power on it, or he gets the power on it and it sails into Rosie. Yeah. So again, I think at this point in the season, this is nothing against Casper Shabilko. I am all in favor of John Duran getting as many minutes up top as you can give him, just to see what he. Give him a run of games. If it doesn't work, I mean, you're in no worse a position than you were. But I think he, I think you, the time is coming to give him a chance. Good segue there about about uh, playing the kids because there's something we wanted to talk about. Before <laughs> we get to the points bet pick of the week, um, we were looking at the odds of different players scoring in today's game. And the second and third most likely to score for the fire, at least according to points bet, Monus and Bezerra. Victor Bezerra have been killing it uh, for, for the kid team, for, the, for Fire 2. Does Vegas know they're starting, or... Hey, if there, was, just... if there was a time to play the kids, Pat, it is a midweek Wednesday yeah. game against Toronto FC, who, for those of you not keeping track, um, traded Alejandro Pozuelo to Inter-Miami for only $110,000 in GAM. Uh, cut Carlos Salcedo, who they paid a seven-figure transfer fee for, from Liga MX this past winter because he was so bad. If you think any of the fire players are bad, <laughs> oh boy, they got nothing on Carlos Salcedo, who was so bad that Toronto just ate his contract to get him off their books. Um, Lorenzo Insignia isn't playing yet. Nope. Uh, Mark, Mark Anthony K has only had two days of training with the first team, so asking him to start tonight seems uh, like a stretch. Domenico Crescito is kind of in that same boat. I think he's been in training for a week or so. Veteran, former Italian international. Uh, so, yeah, this Toronto's team's a total disaster right now, which is why the Fire are favored at home, because the Fire are scoring goals lately at Soldier Field. Yeah, sure, they're giving them up, but there's no evidence that Toronto knows where the goal is at the moment. Yeah, I mean, the Fire are pretty heavy favorites. Uh, the points bet pick of the week, though, Alex, we went with uh, Guti. Brian Gutierrez is plus 205 to score tonight, which yeah, we, we feels figured like something that could happen. We figured Guti's going to play if you're going to play the kids, which even before we saw this weird betting line thing, we thought tonight would be a night we might see some rotation. Um, you know, the red card to Navarro already necessitating that we're probably going to see Andre Reynolds back at left back tonight. So I'd, I'd imagine we're going to see a bit of rotation, at least maybe as a kick in the butt to some of the veterans. You know, so... If the kids are playing, having Guti out there with his buddies, the guys he knows well, that makes sense. And if Guti is in a central position tonight, if he starts in the Shakiri spot, because Shakiri's not starting three games in a week and you'd rather have him for Seattle, 
Um, I think Guti starting in a central position against a Toronto team that doesn't seem to have anything going right now. There's a game where Guti's going to score. This feels like a good bet. Weird argument here. Is it? Is it, it? This is the most winnable of the two, right? For sure. Of the three games this week, yeah. This is this uh, is the one of the you, two that are left for sure. Like, well, yeah, definitely because Seattle is struggling, but it's Seattle. Do you, then you could argue that instead of rotating for tonight's game and playing the kids, you go after, get the three points tonight, and then rotate Saturday and see what and happens. Come what may. Yeah, I mean, again, you they played basically the full strength eleven already this weekend, so you kind of have to kind of uh, dance with the one that brought you at this point. And we know Gaston can't play tonight because of yellow card accumulation. Obviously, Miguel can't play tonight because of the red card. So there's going to be two spots automatically kind of rotated there. So, um, yeah, but I, I can't see Guti not being in the lineup if, yeah, unless there's something we don't know. And again, we if, if yeah, maybe Shakiri doesn't start either again. Yeah, I think it's going to be a bit of a different lineup tonight for the Fire. Brian Gutierrez, star of the show. That's our prediction here for the points bet pick of the week. So speaking of this game tonight, we've touched a little bit on this. So we talked about TFC... Real bad right now. Um, can you even call it a must-win game for the fire? Is it a must-win game? If it is, is it a must-win game for any, like, table reasons? Or do they just need this for, like, a moral victory at this point? I think if they had beaten the crew or even walked away with a point there, you could call this a must-win. Right. But that was the point in my mind where the season flipped from they're not making the playoffs to... Now let's figure out what we can do for a long-term plan here to, to improve the club because um, I don't think they're making the playoffs. I think a playoff team doesn't lose like that. Um, I think that, you know, the, the loss in San Jose, the loss in Houston, um, it, it makes the Philadelphia union win look like more of an anomaly. Um, and so for me, I would have called this a must win because I would have called the next, I said they needed 12 last week. I said they needed 12 out of 15 they would need 12 out of 12 in that theory, which isn't happening. No. So, um, you sure? I mean, <laughs> stranger things have happened, but have they? I just, Ugh, I man. just don't see it. I, I, I kind of feel like now we're, we flip the switch toward the future. Yeah. And I think tonight's based on Toronto's current predicament and form and the fire. I think tonight's going to be a messy game. Like this, this could be one of the, this could be an anything game tonight. The fire could score five tonight. They could concede five. I have absolutely no idea what we're going to get out of this game. I think I picked it as a one, one draw on, uh, on the website. I guess I'll stick with that, but I'm with you. I have no, I absolutely no idea. Yeah, it's, Nothing. No idea what to, what do we expect? I have no faith in Toronto's ability to score or defend. So like that should bode well for the fire. But right. then that requires the fire to seize and take advantage of an opportunity and then not blow the lead in the second half. And if, the, then the, the question becomes, if they win, does that open up any more hope in any people's brains that maybe, oh, if we get a result against Seattle and then, you know. You're it, never totally out of it in MLS. No. But. Uh, you know, there's a scenario in which they move to 11th tonight if they win, which sounds a lot better than 14th when you're chasing seventh. Mm. But I still don't. Got to remember another team down there with them right now is DC United, who just brought in Wayne Rooney as their new manager, former Waza. DC United player. Things can't get worse in DC. So that's that, so entertaining. That team's going, I don't know if they're going to be like world beaters, but they're going to be better than they've been. They can't be any worse. Um, All right, so, now, who who would be uh, a better actual player at this exact moment, Shakiri or Rooney? 
Uh, did you see Rooney walking into the DC uh, airport? Kind of need, yeah, I know. he's in a lot better shape right now than yes. Rooney. So is he though? He always leaves matches randomly in the middle of the game. So. He does do that. And but. also, Rooney didn't exactly look a match fit for like his last three years in England. So I know. Rooney was in better shape playing for DC United than he was for Everton in that last year at Man U. It made no sense. Woof. Yeah. Uh, we had a question in the old chat for you from yeah. DJ. Yeah. Honest question. At which point, or at what point do you throw Brady out there too? Not against Gaga, but if okay. he's the answer for the future, why not throw him out tonight? I think that mm. once the deal gets done, they should give Brady some starts down the down the line. See, I'm kind of split on this. Um, the plan with the, the fire made a choice at some point. And there's a lot of people who think Chris Brady's going to be the better goalkeeper than Gaga Slanina. And I think there's the evidence to support that argument is that we've talked about this before on the show. Chris Brady has played a lot more actual soccer than Gaga Slanina has played. He got a full season in USL League One. That's the thing Gaga never got the chance to do because COVID. That fire partnership with Ford Madison was supposed to really reap benefits. I joked there was literally going to be a van of fire teenagers driving up to Madison together to all go play for that team. That was the plan that most of Madison's 11 was going to be fire kids. And then COVID happened, and that all went yeah, off the rails. Yeah, they were allowed to. There was the yeah, right, total yeah, mess. Yeah. Anyway, um, that will be interesting to see with nothing to play for. If the fire are truly way out of the playoffs at that point, um, I do think some rotation makes sense. I also don't think it's the worst thing in the world to just you know, depending on what the plans are for next year, are the fire going to try to bring Gaga back again? If they do want to do that, you want to keep playing him. Are you okay with Chris Brady getting minutes for fire two? He got another. He came back this weekend from his. A World Cup qualification duty immediately picked up another clean sheet. Do you just keep them both playing? Because also if you're the fire, the thought is you're going to want to get what? Two years out of Brady before you sell him for eight figures to Europe? Because that they made the choice Gaga was going to go first. And Brady seems to have the skills and is, you know, in his limited opportunities in various places is playing well enough to suggest that there's no reason he's not going to command a similar fee in a couple of years. No, he's going to want to do that too. I mean, that and that should be his plan. We've talked about this with Jairo Torres and several others. That should be their plan. If you're a 20-year-old or 18-year-old playing for the Chicago Fire, um, you should want to go to Europe. That's yeah. The goal, it. whoever the Fire starting goalkeeper next year is going to be a 19-year-old. We yeah. don't know which 19-year-old yeah. it's going to be at this point, but yeah. it's going to be one of them. There's, yeah, Unless there's, you bring in a newly rehabbed. Homer Glenn native. I, I'm rooting Brad Guzan. For I'm, very, I'm rooting very hard for Brad Guzan to finish his career back in Chicago as a sort of backup goalkeeper slash coach. Yes, that is it. The most slash commentator, perhaps. I mean, sure, that's the most Homer pick I could possibly throw out there. Literally Homer. Yeah, literally, literally Homer yeah. Glenn pick. Also, Providence Catholic represent. Um, so yeah, if, if Brad Guzan, if Brad Guzan comes back to Chicago. He's coming out. We're having him on this podcast immediately. That's just a thing we're going to... I'll step out. It could just be you two. Yeah, I mean, that's fair. We're going to have to... I mean, he's also bald. Yeah. And also from yeah. Chicago, he's going to he's gonna walk right into it. Um, A couple other quick notes, Pat, before we get out of here. MLS All-Star roster was announced, and to absolutely zero people's surprise, there are no fire players on it. Nor should there be, nope. although I did say I could have made a case for Wyatt Omsberg if he hadn't gotten injured and he kept playing at the level that he was playing at, I still don't think so. I still don't think he would have gotten in because the player he would have had to unseat would have been Kamal Miller from yeah. Montreal. Yeah. He's not getting in there. Uh, they don't take that many defenders in this in this team. Zimmerman's going to start with either Aaron Long or um, I'm blanking on who the other center back selected was. But no, I mean, Wyatt's a nice guy. Like Wyatt a lot. Even healthy, he wasn't getting into this team. 
So the MLS All-Stars taking on Liga MX again. I don't think they're having like a rookies game this year, which like if they were doing like what the NBA does with like a rookie and sophomore game, the Fire have some players who would have been eligible for that, mainly Gaga. Um, but no, nothing to nothing to see there. So the Fire will simply get that weekend off. Maybe that's not the worst thing in the world either. Uh, as I mentioned, Chris Brady, another clean sheet for Fire 2. They win 3-0 over FC Cincinnati as the kids continue to look better and better by the week. Yeah. Yeah, that's, I mean, there are a few bright spots to talk about, and that is one of them. Sure. And maybe we're going to see some of those kids tonight at Soldier Field. Pat's going to be there. I haven't decided if I'm going yet, but, you know, if you see us, say hello, and hopefully the fire can get one in the win column, even if the playoff chase is feeling out of reach. It's never a bad thing to see the fire get a W on the lakefront. No, no, and, it, it, you know, even if it doesn't mean anything, it still means something. It's still a win. So let's hope they pull it off tonight. And it's a beautiful night. You got weather's the, uh, supposed to be perfect, right? On Wednesdays down at uh, Navy Pier, wherever yeah. the hell they are. So TFC tonight, Seattle on Saturday. We'll see how we're feeling and how you all are feeling this time next week. So until then, for Pat McCraney, for Lawrence behind the scenes, I'm Alex Campbell. This has been the CHGO Fire Podcast, and we'll see you next time. Adios.